G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When the whole world seems to be arraigned against you, when the people who should be your friends are criticising you, when God seems to have deserted you right in that place, it's time to take a stand and declare, My Redeemer lives. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and welcome to the program. Now today we're going to be taking a look at the hope that you have in Christ from a different perspective. And do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life, just at the moment. A few years ago, Hillsong released an awesome worship song called My Redeemer Lives. It's bouncy and happy and clappy and upbeat. It it kicks off with these lyrics. I know he rescued my soul. His blood has covered my sin. I believe, I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is healed in his name. I believe, I believe. I'll raise a banner because my Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. And the song goes on from there. It's an awesome worship song. If you you go to YouTube and you search for it, you'll find a whole bunch of young people with bright coloured T-shirts on, dancing and waving their hands and singing a song. I think it's awesome. But the very first time those words were uttered in the Bible, my Redeemer lives, was by a guy named Job. And that wasn't the context. As we've seen all along in this series of messages, Job wasn't all happy and clappy. Job was suffering terribly. This good and godly man was tested by God as the Lord unleashed the devil into his life. And the devil took away each of Job's blessings one by one by one, even right down to his health, until he had nothing left. Job was in huge pain. He struggled with God and asked God, what what was he doing and why was this happening and when would it end? Just like you or I would have. Job was getting desperate. And as we've seen, even his friends, instead of encouraging him, were needling him and blaming him and and rubbing salt in his wounds, undermining his confidence in God. So just in case you hear those words, my Redeemer lives, and you've sung that great Hillsong chorus and, and you're thinking happy clappy, let me share with you exactly what was going on for Job in the verses leading up to this famous declaration that my Redeemer lives. Just soak in these words and see the picture of devastation and destruction that he's painting here for us. Job chapter 19, beginning at verse 8. God has walled up my way so that I cannot pass. He has set darkness on my paths. He has stripped my glory from me and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone. He has uprooted my hope like a tree. He has kindled his wrath against me and he counts me as his adversary. His troops come on together. They have thrown up siege works against me. They camp around my tent. He has put my family far from me, and my acquaintances are wholly estranged from me. My relatives and my close friends have failed me. The guests in my house have forgotten me. My serving girls count me as a stranger. I've become an alien in their eyes. I call to my servant, 
but he gives me no answer. I must myself plead with him. My breath is repulsive to my wife. I am loathsome to my family. Even young children despise me. When I rise, they talk against me. All my intimate friends abhor me, and those whom I have loved have turned against me. My bones cling to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you, like God, pursue me, never satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth. I mean, his life has been completely destroyed. Everything is gone. The only thing that could be worse is that he could be dead. Although, having said that, he muses elsewhere that that might indeed have been a better outcome. Now, if you or I were crying out those terrible words, if you or I were summing up our terrible pain and our loss in those very words, what conclusion would we come to? How would we draw all that litany of disaster together and summarise it? I suspect that many a man and many a woman would come to the conclusion that there is simply no hope left. And yet at the end of all that, he says, wow, I wish all this were written down for others to see and to know, because in the middle of all this disaster, I know that my Redeemer lives. What a conclusion to come to. What a man of God. How do you get to that place? How can he come to such a conclusion? Well, here's the answer. Job was a man who lived his life for God. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. His heart was set like flint toward honouring God with everything he was, and everything he had. Right at the beginning of the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1, this is what we're told. There was once a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. That's the thing. When we get our lives in order before the storm hits, then when the storm comes, while it still hurts, while we still have questions for God, why and how long being the two most common, whilst we will certainly have friends who misunderstand us and make it worse, deep, deep, deep in our hearts, we will be able to declare in the face of every demon that hell can muster and throw against us. We will still be able to declare with boldness and an uncommon courage that my Redeemer lives. And that's what counts. When everything else fails, this one thing stands. My Redeemer lives. And that counts for everything. That's what matters. In fact, it's the only thing that matters. Perhaps you're going through a tough patch at the moment. And if not, we both know, don't we, that the next tough patch is out there somewhere, just waiting for us to catch up with it. So let me encourage you with this. When the suffering begins, worship God through every moment. Thank him. Bless his name. Draw close to him because he is there to travel through every moment of it with you. And come what may, no matter how terrible it gets, may you stand up and declare, my Redeemer lives. So far, as I look back on the most difficult days of my life, all the dark nights of the soul, what I know is this. My record for surviving them so far is 100%. Hey, it's not such a bad track record, is it? And I'd hazard a guess that you too have a perfect score, a 100% track record for surviving your worst days. The other obvious truth is that those days will always pass, they did for Job. 
Have a listen how it all ended. Job chapter 42 verses 10 and 16. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died old and full of days. In other words, God gave Job double for his trouble and allowed him to live to a ripe old age. So is God going to give you and me double for our trouble? I really don't know. Sometimes he does, other times he doesn't. But what I do know is this, God's blessings are greater than anything that we can imagine and he always finds ways to bring his blessings to pass in our lives. Is God going to allow you and me to live to a ripe old age and full of days? Again, I don't know what his plan is for you or for me, but this I do know, that as we persevere, as we get out of bed every morning and do our best to honour him and to bless others, Jesus is away preparing a place for us, for you and for me, in our Father's house so that we can spend eternity in his presence and behold his glory, feast on his glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. That, you'd have to say, is not such a bad ending. In the meantime, I can tell you this, beyond any shadow of a doubt, my Redeemer lives. How about yours? I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, We would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.